hey, you know, what would you do if the sun exploded? And what if everybody got, you know, transformed into half man, half horse? <laughs> Perception is reality. Reality. Perception is reality. Some talk shows think all of their opinions are right. This one, this one knows they are. This is Perception is Reality. Christopher H. Bilbury is a no-nonsense, well, maybe a little bit of nonsense, political activist, local government watchdog, and all-around good Hoosier and God-fearing American citizen. Is this guy for real? Holding lawmakers accountable and educating citizens on the importance of participating in their local government with a dab of national and world politics and a little pop culture and maybe some real-life common sense. This, this is, is Perception is Reality. And this is Christopher H. Bilbrey. On the Capitol grounds, they chanted Northam out, referencing Virginia's Democratic governor. Ahead of today's demonstration, the governor declared a state of emergency and banned all weapons on Capitol grounds. But outside that secured area, many demonstrators were heavily armed. Look at them. They look like soldiers governor there. Ralph Some were in body armor. Uh, and there are fears there could be violence. Republican leaders previously rejected the gathering in Richmond, Virginia. The rally is an annual event held in Virginia conditions. Governor, what exactly are you proposing policy-wise? You know, Virginians have spoken and said it's time for us as legislators and as their governor to act. And I'm bringing the General Assembly back to the latter part of June to, to take up common sense gun legislation. And so we're going to include things like universal background checks, which uh, over 90% of the population approves are a ban on assault weapons to include bump stops and suppressors or silencers, as we, we call them. Given local uh, authorities, uh, uh, regions, the, the authority to, to really look at their government buildings, and we need to make our community safe in Virginia. There has to be some kind of common sense ground here, and to hear these people talk tonight, there is no, there is no common ground at all. Police shot and killed a man while serving the new red flag law protection order. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of the free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. That's it, folks. That's all it says. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Well, welcome to the podcast, Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. I am your host, Christopher H. Bilbrey. If you've been here before, welcome back. And if this is your first episode, thank you for joining us today. I'm going to ask everyone, whether you've been here before or not, to share this episode and the podcast as a whole to everyone you know by word of mouth or the easiest way is by social media. Just sharing this episode link on your Facebook or Twitter or telling people how they can find the podcast. Yes, we're on all major podcast hosting sites. Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Radio Public, and many, 
many more. You can find us simply by Googling Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. We also can be found at the home link of perception.fireside.fm. We're also on Facebook. You can simply go to facebook.com forward slash Bilbrey318. That's B-I-L-B-R-E-Y 318. All right, folks. So today's episode is a pretty big show. I have talked over the course of the last 70-some episodes about being a citizen, about getting informed, about being involved, and knowing what your rights are and how to stand up for yourself and how to work with your local, state, and federal government. We've talked in the past on an episode about the First Amendment, and this episode is going to be about protecting the Second Amendment. This episode isn't going to be a debate about whether we should have guns or whether we shouldn't have guns. I probably will never do an episode like that. I believe myself to be a constitutional conservative. Therefore, I believe in the Second Amendment, and I believe in my right and your right to keep and bear arms, which means have the guns that you have, and I have the guns that I have. If someone out there doesn't believe people should have guns, and they don't want people to have guns, and they don't want to have guns, that's perfectly fine. That's why I need my guns, so I can help protect you in the event something stupid goes down and you don't happen to have your gun on you. I'm not going to get into a big pissing match on whether or not people should be able to have a revolver or a Glock or, oh my God, they've got an AR-15. I'm not talking about all of that. I'm well past that. We should be well past that. If you believe that there should be gun laws and sweeping gun reform, that's fine. Make a podcast and put that information out. If you want to debate me about it, that's fine. We can do that. I'm just not choosing to talk about that in this episode or on the show because, in my opinion, we're well past that. We have the Second Amendment right that was given to us in my belief by my creator, by God, by the grace of God, I was born an American citizen, and so this right was given to me at that time by my creator. That's what our founding fathers set forward. For folks that don't believe in a higher power, I assume you believe that your rights were given to you by the state. My only problem with that is if someone believes that their rights were given by the state, then it's not too far to think that your rights can be taken by the state. So I can't really wrap my head around that. That's that's for another day, I guess. In my belief and my opinion, these rights were given to us by our Creator. And so now we're in a position where if you've followed any of the news, whether you're political or not, These rights, not just the Second Amendment right, but all of our rights, have been under attack in one way or another. But for the longest time, 
the Second Amendment has been a major hot-button issue. And again, without getting into the overall debate whether we're allowed to have guns, we should be allowed to have guns, which I'm not doing, what we're currently faced with are patriots and liberty-minded folks having to attempt to claw back to try to protect what we've been given by God. And that's what happens when you have complacency in politics, because essentially we're in a position right now where a lot of action has taken place out in California, in Illinois. Now we're seeing it in Virginia, where key elections were lost. Republicans and conservatives didn't get folks out to vote, didn't put up good candidates, and now the left, the Democrats, progressives, are in those positions and are attempting some major sweeping gun laws, which those of us that have liberty in mind say, wait a minute, this is an infringement upon our Second Amendment Rights. And so basically what happened is a large group of Second Amendment activists, supporters, liberty-minded individuals got together to show the state of Virginia what support for the Second Amendment looks like. And they, they got together to say, you know what? We will not compromise, and our rights will not be infringed on. And that's just simply that. And so what they've done there, in order to try to fight back against the state government and new state laws that they're trying to push over, they have went by each county, and I believe something like 90% of the counties there have started this deal where they're coming out saying they are 2A or Second Amendment sanctuary counties. So basically, you have your county government or your city governments coming together and saying, we understand that the federal government makes laws and we understand that the state makes laws. We here make our ordinances and our resolutions for our citizens in our counties and our cities and our towns. And we are saying that no matter what the state does, no matter what the federal government does, we are going to stand with our citizens and moreover with their rights. And if the state or federal government comes in and says, we're going to seize guns or we're going to take these magazines or it's now illegal to possess a 30 round magazine, that our law enforcement on the local and county levels simply aren't going to do anything about it. And we are going to stand on the right side of history in this. We're going to stand on the side of the Constitution, and we are going to stand with our citizens. Well, so now what you're seeing is these type of ideas and groups sprouting up in other states outside of Virginia and in counties inside those states. One of those states being the state that I live in, Indiana, who generally has been pretty good for the Second Amendment, although 
we have had some issues here lately. We currently have red flag laws in place, and they have been used sometimes detrimentally, and we have had rogue, lunatic, left-wing, progressive, democratic representatives and senators at the state level that have tried pushing through crazy-ass gun laws that, fortunately for us, have been defeated before they could see the light of day. However, that lets us know that this madness is currently here, that this is not an isolated incident in Virginia, that if we don't stand firm, that this kind of insanity can happen here in Indiana. So if you've been on social media in the last few weeks, maybe the last month, you've probably seen these 2A groups or Second Amendment groups popping up all over Facebook. I've seen them for different states. I've seen them for counties inside states. And just like that, in Indiana, we have these groups popping up. There is an Indiana 2A United group, and then there are groups for 2A sanctuary counties in Delaware County, in Randolph County, in Jay County, and a lot of other counties around the state. And basically, what's going on is you have like-minded citizens, both Republicans and Democrats, who believe in liberty, who believe in the Constitution, and who believe in our constitutional rights, who are saying... We are not going to compromise on our rights, specifically the Second Amendment. We are not going to negotiate, and our rights shall not and will not be infringed upon. And so what you've got now is some of these members are coming together and writing up resolutions, writing up ordinances, writing up presentations to take before their local government, their town councils, their city councils, and their county commissioners and county councils to say, look, here's what we want. We're not asking for anything crazy. We're simply asking for you to stand with us and for you to proclaim that our county, our city, our town, our community here is a sanctuary Community, county, town, city, meaning that if the old federal government or the state of Indiana tries to come in and tries to do something crazy and infringe on our rights in any way, that you, county, city, town, local officials, stand with us and saying, we're not going to infringe on your rights and basically will overlook that. We're not asking for anything extra. We're not asking to be able to murder people. We're not asking for them to give us money. We're not asking to be able to go over in the corner and do drugs with impunity. We're asking for the communities to allow us to keep the rights that we already have. And it's basically a symbolic act because at the end of the day, if the city, town, county decides not to do it like some have, the citizens will say, okay, you're no different than the state or the federal government, and we will not negotiate, 
and we will not compromise, and our rights will not be infringed upon. So we're getting ready to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to be joined by Dakota Adams, a Randolph County, Indiana citizen, a United States Marine vet, and a leader in the Randolph County 2A Sanctuary Facebook group. And we're going to be talking with him about his presentation to the Randolph County, Indiana commissioners, how that went, and what his thoughts on all of this are. Then, in the second half of the show, we're going to be joined by none other than Indiana's own gun guy, the Second Amendment rights attorney, and radio host of The Gun Guy Show on 93.1 WIBC, Guy Relford. So sit tight. We'll be right back after this quick break. You're listening to the 76th episode of Perception is Reality. I'm Christopher H. Bilbrey. Hey, Kevin. Thinking about saving for retirement? Yeah, but how do I start? It's easy with Avvo, a retirement coach. Let's learn the Avvo bet. For taking action. Not anxiety? No, Kevin, you're gonna be fine. You sick? Barely. V is for variety. Huh. Change up my strategy. Okay. O's for optimize your savings. Let Avo lead the way. Visit aceyourretirement.org today. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Perception. Perception. Perception is. Reality. Reality. All right. Welcome back to the show, everyone. I am joined in studio by Dakota Adams, a Winchester Randolph County, Indiana citizen, United States Marine, and a Second Amendment gun rights activist. Welcome to the podcast, Dakota. Yeah, thanks for having me here. Yeah, no problem. So to give a little bit of background, Dakota and I have just recently started talking, and we've been talking about the Second Amendment and these groups that are popping up everywhere, all over Indiana and probably in other states. I'm I'm sure that they're popping up in other states about trying to fight to protect the Second Amendment. That sounds crazy. We shouldn't be fighting to protect it. It is a right that we are guaranteed because we are born in America. Whether you're given that right because of your belief by God or you're given that right by the state because you were born here in America, either way, it is a right that you are given a natural right that cannot be taken away like all the other rights that you're given. Nonetheless, that's not stopping some crazy politicians all over the place from attempting to infringe upon this right. So these groups are popping up. And here in Randolph County, as well as all other counties in Indiana, these groups are attempting to collect petition signatures and go before the elected officials in their cities and counties and request or demand politely but firmly that the cities and counties become a Second Amendment sanctuary city. So if you would, Dakota, why don't you explain to us a little bit about the movement, the group, and what 
a sanctuary city is, what you're trying to accomplish. The movement itself for Second Amendment sanctuaries has, I think, gone back as far as several years. Uh, I know that uh, it was big with Illinois when uh, Cook County kind of took over their um, political sphere there. Yeah. And then uh, it's really gotten a lot more popular with Virginia and their sweeping gun legislation that's kind of taken place there. And I, I think most people probably know what's going on there for those who don't. The uh, powers that be in Virginia decided that they were going to start banning um, certain firearms, certain firearms accessories, um, people getting together in uh, groups and training. I mean, you name it, they want to ban it. So 105 cities and counties in Virginia have declared themselves a Second Amendment sanctuaries. And that movement has just kind of taken off like wildfire. And there's a huge movement right here in Indiana. So every single county in Indiana has one of these movements going. As of this morning, there were 25 or 26 counties that were currently pending a decision to become sanctuaries. Um, we, uh, Randolph County is one of them, and there are three that are currently uh, sanctuary counties. And I didn't know this. Uh, Jennings County is the one that has done it most recently. Um, and the other two uh, go back to kind of the Barack Obama days where um, people were kind of freaking out. And uh, they you know, kind of declared themselves Second Amendment sanctuaries then. So we actually have three counties and Indiana that are sanctuaries right now. That's really promising and good to hear. So let's back this down just a second for those that might be new to all of this. The Second Amendment that you are guaranteed as an American, whether, again, you believe that it was given to you by the Creator or by the state, having been born an American, the Second Amendment says the following... A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. And so this is the right that basically says you're allowed to have weapons, keep guns in your home and on your persons if you're an American citizen who isn't a felon in order to protect yourself from danger, in order to protect your family, and allow you to keep up your life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But just because it's a constitutional right doesn't mean that there aren't those out there trying to break it down and take it away from American citizens. So basically, what you and many others, myself included, are saying is, number one, this is our constitutional God-given right, along with all of the other rights, and no, you can't take this or you can't infringe upon it. But in the event someone does try to infringe upon this right, we are going ahead of time now to our local community governments, the towns, the cities, the counties, and even at the state level, and saying we want to be known as a sanctuary city or a sanctuary county or a sanctuary community stating that if the federal or state government tries to come in and 
take our guns or prevent us from utilizing this Second Amendment right that you're on our side and you're basically guaranteeing us something that we have already been guaranteed. Would you say that's a pretty good explanation of what this is? I mean, what would you say that you're asking for? Uh, basically, what we want to gain from this is um, Second Amendment sanctuary cities or counties or um, municipalities, whatever you know, you want to call them, generally have no legal standing. The local ordinance will, in almost all cases, be trumped by uh, state law and federal law. We understand that. We are not asking them to make new laws, essentially. So in the case of Virginia, a lot of things that were banned essentially made people felons in waiting overnight because they're not going to destroy or turn in their lawfully obtained possessions. And if they're ever caught with those things by the people who are going to be enforcing these laws, they'll either go to jail, face fines, or they can choose to fight to keep their property. Um, what we are asking the you know Randolph County to do is make it to where we don't ever have to make that decision. What we want them to do is, is come forth and say, you know, hey, it doesn't matter what the state says. In Randolph County, if you have these items, we are not going to take them from you. We're not going, you know, if we, if we find them, you know, in the course of a separate investigation, or if, if you're, if you have them in your vehicle and you get pulled over for speeding, we're going to ignore the fact that you have them because enforcing that law would be blatantly unconstitutional. That's what we're really asking them to do. We're not really asking them to backpedal on things that they've done in the past. We are trying to prevent those laws from coming to our county so that its citizens can remain free, essentially, and not not have to worry or look over their shoulder and about, you know, if I get caught with this, am I going to go to jail? Because the, you know, we what we want to know is does the sheriff's department have our back here? And do the commissioners also have our back here? And we just want, you know, we all we want from them is to make that make that public and make that make that known correct and the thing is we're not asking them to make a new law or to make a new ordinance or step over any bounds we're just asking them to stand with us as citizens and as officials in our communities in case the federal government or our state government and whatever state that you live in in case it starts to go a little crazy and do something it shouldn't like we're seeing in Virginia and Illinois and other states where they're trying to infringe upon this Second Amendment right and others. Honestly, we're just wanting to make sure that they're on our side and we're going to be able to keep our God-given rights. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Now's just as good a time as any. As citizens of America, we have rights that were given to us, by my belief, by the Creator, or if you're not a believer, however you believe your rights were given to you, and the federal government, your state government, and the local governments can't take those away from you or infringe upon you. And now there's rules as far as the federal government has rules, laws, regulations, and state governments can't ratchet down and make those rules, laws, and regulations tighter. They can 
open them up and give you more freedoms, but local governments or state governments can't write laws that supersede the federal government. And I mean, you and I and others completely understand that we have our rights, including our Second Amendment right, but there are places where they're trying to take that right and other rights away from citizens, and we're just trying to head it off at the pass. We're trying to get ahead of it. It's not here now, but, you know, like, and that's what the commissioners and the sheriff were, you know, the point they kept bringing up is, you know, we don't, we don't want to vote on or enact on, you know, hypotheticals, but the alternative is that you act or vote on it when it's right in your face. Yeah. Um, So it's either you get ahead of it or you start talking about it when it's just a little bit too late. And we, what we want to do is make it to where, you know, had, you know, uh, Senate bill 203 that was put forth a couple weeks ago. I can't remember the guy's name who put it forth. That would be democratic Indiana state Senator Greg Taylor. You know, it was killed. The, the bill was killed, thankfully. But if Senate Bill 203 would have passed, I've got an entire life sentence worth of legally obtained inanimate objects in my safe. We're not going to comply. The thousand people in this state that are in this county and thousands, I mean, the thousands in the state, they are not going to comply. Um, they are not going, to, you know, just because you say something is illegal, it does not mean that we care. We do not care. Um, you're not getting our property. We're not giving you anything. And what we want is some support from our local law enforcement that says, hey, yeah, we understand you guys aren't going to turn your stuff in and we don't expect you to. Uh, if we see it, you know, we're going to pretend like we didn't. Uh, that's all we want. You right. know, we don't we don't want anything crazy. We just want to be able to keep the things that we bought with our hard earned money and the things that we are allowed to have, you know, uh, you know, with as, you know, natural rights, whether you believe that was given to you by God, or if, if you believe that you are a human being and that you have the right to self-preservation, I believe that every human being on the face of the planet has a right to self-preservation. And, whether that be with it, whether that be in the United States or Canada or Zimbabwe or I mean, you name it, it doesn't matter. If you're a human being, you have a right to yeah. preserve your own life against right. you know whoever or whatever wants to take away your life, your liberty, your property. You have a right to to defend yourself against these things, and that's the the reason that these are inalienable rights. And yeah. the Bill of Rights gives us a, a, a certain number of rights, and it, and, it, and it lays out very important things. The Second Amendment being just one of those. Those these are all rights that we have as human beings, and the Bill of Rights is is put in place as a protection against government. So allowing the government to control. The protections against government is <laughs> is just ridiculous. Yes. I mean, if 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 you write a law that was that says, "Hey, uh, government can't tell you what color shirt to wear," and then everybody's like, "Well, we want shirt control because we don't we really don't like people wearing the color purple," and so then the government comes out and they're like, "Well, you can't wear the color purple," and you're like, "Well, there's this thing here that says you're not allowed to tell me what color shirt I'm allowed to wear." Well, that doesn't matter. You know, people, we we can tell you because we want you to not wear the color purple. Right. Well, that's ridiculous. I mean, it, there's if something is put in place to protect you against an entity, 
that entity should not be able to tell you what you're allowed to use to defend yourself against it, the entity. I mean, Absolutely. it's just ridiculous. That's a really good explanation of what's happening. And I want to say really quickly that we have to break it down to be that simple for people to understand because it's for some reason hard for folks to understand, but it really shouldn't be. It's really simple. The fact that you were born an American, you have these rights and we're not asking for anything crazy. You know, people sometimes think or look at what we're saying within these Second Amendment rights issue, or if I speak about the First Amendment right, people look at you kind of like you're crazy or saying, you know, that's things that people don't really worry about today, and that is a really scary way to look at this. You know, we're not asking people to turn their head as we do heroin or don't pay any mind to me as I murder this person. We're simply asking our folks that are supposed to be upholding the Constitution to not infringe upon rights that we are given in that Constitution. In a perfect society, there, you know, none of these laws would exist. But we've gotten to this point and we have it's the Second Amendment has been eroded to a point now where, you know, it used to be, you know, talks of, well, who needs who needs to have a machine gun and who needs to have all these things? And so they just started doing away with all of these things. And it's just, you know, there used to be that that saying of, you know, come and take it, you know, the you know, the the classic kind of buzzword kind of um, cringy. Uh, Spartan, um, you know, quote of, you know, come and take it. Well, now it's more like come and take what's left of it. So, I mean, we're getting to a point now where, you know, all of these things are gone and we're not, like you said, we're not asking them to, you know, let us manufacture our own machine guns and fire them into the air, you know, in the town square where we are asking them to, you know, a lot of these more popular, quote unquote, common sense gun control bills that are passing left and right on both sides of the political spectrum. Like there are a ton of Republicans and people always think like, well, Democrats want your guns and Republicans, you know, they're, they're for gun rights. And it will, I mean, on a, on a general level, that may be true, but there are a ton of Republicans who are pushing in support of like red flag laws. And it, to me, it's just it's just wrong. And what we're trying to do is insulate ourselves from those laws, and not not only in a legal from a legal standpoint, because like I said, these don't have any legal basis, but from uh, the fact that in our county, the kind of you know law enforcement body that is that makes up the most major part of our county is the sheriff's department, and if we can get you know, some kind of agreement with the sheriff's department or some kind of statement, which I, I, I just highly doubt is going to happen. And, you know, and I've, I've talked to uh, Sheriff Moistner a few times about this and unfortunately him and I don't see these things exactly the same way. He is an elected official. He has people he has to answer to. I understand. I get it. But, and I also understand that there is a certain level of politicking that's going on with this right now but if we could get a some kind of understanding between ourselves and them that hey whatever comes down the pipeline from the state or the federal government you guys are fine we're not going to come take your stuff if if we find that you have it 
we're not going to, you know, don't worry about it because, you know, we love the second amendment just like you guys. And we're going to make sure that you guys are taken care of and are able to exercise that right. That's all we want. Absolutely. We don't, we don't want, you know, we're not talking extreme measures here and some of the proposals in other counties or in other States, I completely support them. I mean, they're, they're pretty extreme from a personal level. I support them. Right. But the, the fact of the matter is, is that you can't, you can't expect to get anywhere with something that extreme unless, unless you've got some, you know, some really, really cool County commissioners and County sheriff. Um, you know, you can't really expect to get anywhere with, with something that says that you're just going to completely and totally ignore 100% of all gun laws. That would be amazing, but that's never going to happen. So what we're trying to do is just make it to where anything future that comes down is just kind of disregarded. Right. Um, and, and, and that's, that's all we want. We're not, you're not asking. I, I feel as if, you know, myself and, and the group that I represent are not asking for anything insane here. Well, you know, I, I, I absolutely agree with you. And, and I do want to throw in there, you said a moment ago that the sheriff has people and the commissioners have people that they answer to. And I just want to remind them or any other political officials that might be listening to this, as well as the people, we, you and I, and the other thousand people on your petition are the people that they answer to. Yes, they answer to the other side. But, uh, you know, this becomes kind of a, I guess, a battle of wills, you know, and it shouldn't be because we are talking about constitutional rights. If you don't care about your rights and you don't care about having a gun and you don't think people should have guns, then don't have a gun and don't utilize your rights. However, that doesn't allow you or anyone else to infringe upon my rights. Another thing that happened in the commissioner's meeting that kind of speaks to that, and I don't know who said it. I don't know if it was the sheriff or the commissioner, but they said, you know, you have freedoms and then laws are passed. And sometimes for safety, you have to give up some freedoms. (laughs) And I just thought how laughable that was because I immediately thought about that quote from a famous founding father who I can absolutely say is more intelligent than I. Now, I don't know. He might not be as smart as Mike Wickersham. Mike Wickersham might have him beat out, but I I thought maybe he might be at least a little smarter than the folks in that room. And, of course, I'm speaking of Dr. Benjamin Franklin, who said, those who would give up essential liberty to purchase a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. So then I'm quickly sucked back into the room where I had just heard this elected official from Randolph County say, you know, just the opposite of that. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, are you guys reading out of the handbook of things that you specifically should not say? And now I do have to say, I liked what the sheriff said when he went on record in the meeting saying that 
he won't be coming for anyone's guns, that he's pro-Second Amendment, and all of his guys are all pro-Second Amendment, and that he guarantees no one's coming after anybody's guns or magazines or looking to throw anybody in jail or do anything over violations to the Second Amendment. And I agree with him on that. I don't believe that he or his people are coming to do anything. And kind of like you and I were saying off air, you know, he's a good guy and his men are all good guys. But also, like he said, he's only guaranteed to be there for three more years. There's a possibility he could be there for those three plus one more four-year term. So he's only guaranteed to be there for three. He could be there for seven. This is for who comes next. And guess what? He might be fine too. But what about the guy after him or the guy after him? What happens when the person is in office when I'm in my 60s and have less energy to fight this? And that's why this is important today. And and here's the bottom line. Honestly, you know, elected officials in Randolph County or Delaware County or wherever, don't do this. Don't agree to this resolution. Don't agree to an ordinance. Don't vote on anything and say that this is not important. Nobody here is going to give up their rights. Nobody here is going to say, okay, here's my guns. We're going to turn them over to you. Everybody is going to stand up for their God-given rights. We're just trying to offer these officials this path to say, hey, wait a minute, we're citizens like you, and we want to be on the right side of history here. Right. You know, I, I would love to see that. You know, I've, I've put in a lot of, of, of my own time, money, and effort into this, and I'd love to see it pass. But at the end of the day, I really don't care because and the, the thousand people who who have signed this petition they would love to see this pass. They'd love to see this go through so that we can, you know, we can stand together with our elected officials. Right, right now we're standing together. We would like to stand with our elected officials and say, no more. Like we're not, you know, we're not going to give another inch. And right now we're already saying that. So to us, it doesn't matter if they, if they, if they say, if they do this or not. It does. It matters to us in kind of a symbolic way. Yeah. But in a, in a literal way, it does not matter. It doesn't change the outcome. It doesn't change the fact that all 1,000 people whose names are on my, on my petitions and the thousands more that we are going to get, they will not comply. They will not comply. So what you're going to have to do is when that comes, when, it, when push comes to shove and these laws and these regulations do come to our doorstep is you're going to have to make a decision. You're going to have to make the decision of, am I going to start imprisoning or killing the people in my County? Or am I going to recognize that these are their rights? These are their, this is their lawfully obtained property. And, you know, as somebody who, who loves and wants to serve the, you know, the people of my County, I support them. And I hope that that, that, that never happens, but, I, I, I believe that it, it, I believe that it is coming. I just don't know when, Sure. I don't think that anybody in Virginia, I think that five years ago, if you had told people in Virginia, like, Hey, guess what? You guys aren't going to be able to have any of these, you know, 
cool toys that you have. You're not going to be able to go out to the shooting range and train. I mean, there are laws and there are laws put in place in Virginia now that they were just put in place that ban martial arts training. You can't even go practice jujitsu in <laughs> Virginia now because it's a martial art and it's it's violent. So if you if you told them that five years ago, you'd get laughed out of the room. And now look at them. So, I mean that the the bottom line is we will not comply. It, it doesn't matter if it doesn't matter who says you're going to do this. We're not. We don't care. And we're not going to comply. What we're asking our elected officials for is to not make not 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 make us make that decision. Uh, just you know, stand by us and honor the oath that you took when you took office, and that, that that's all we're asking you to do. It, it, we're not. We don't want you know. A lot of people who come before those boards, you know, they're asking for money. They're asking for. Um, you know, not necessarily handouts, but, you know, we don't want anything from them. All we want is their word. All we want is a promise. Right. You know, we're not, we don't want anything from them besides, besides a, an assurance that they will stand by us in the, in the event that this, these things take place. It's just that easy. I just don't know what they could possibly be trying to figure out here. Let me ask you this. This is always a good question for folks who are involved in these type of fights for their freedoms. What do you say to those who say the Second Amendment? I mean, oh God, you, you've you got a six-shooter. Why do you need a Glock? Well, you've got a Glock and a shotgun. Why do you need an AR-15? You know, what is your stance on why we need these weapons that the folks on the left and some misconstrued people on the right say we just we don't need well the, the, the quick response is that it's not the bill of needs it's the bill of rights yes <laughs> um and so i mean if it was about the bill of needs well then we'll, let's talk about the first amendment you don't need that that laptop i mean why can't you do it with an old you know typewriter yes. you don't need um, you know, that your smartphone that you can just blast out fa false information all over the internet immediately, especially if you have a, a large following of people, you know, why can't you just send envelopes? I mean, it's the same thing, <laughs> Yeah. you know? So it, the reason is that technology advances and the, 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 the long answer is originalism and contextualism. So when the constitution was written, our founding fathers had just gotten done fighting and dying and and killing people from a tyrannical regime who wanted to impose their will on them we fought and died for our freedom and part of that was gun confiscation the british wanted to disarm the populace um and we stood up and we said no and we fought for our freedom and when we enumerated those rights and ratified the constitution we kept the, our founding fathers kept in mind that this that this day may come again and so when they wrote that that amendment they had at the time they fought with the most advanced small arms of the time you know the you know the the muzzle loading you know musket at the time was the most advanced small arm of the time so they were fighting against a military force with military arms and they won and they were fighting the most advanced military of all time. Yeah. The British Empire was the most advanced 
military force of, of, of the time. Um, and, uh, that's why it doesn't have to, it doesn't come down to needs, you know, but I, I feel like if you look at the second amendment from, with a, from a point of originalism and contextualism, um, then what you come away with is that people should be allowed to own modern military arms for defense of themselves, their life, their liberty, and their property against enemies of those of those things, whether it be somebody who breaks into your house or somebody on the street who wants to take your things or a government who has kind of overrun its boundaries and wants to start being tyrannical again. I mean, I mean, let's go for round two. I'm saying, yeah, that's no what, way that, that don't happen, does it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what that's what the Second Amendment is there for. It's it's yeah. for it, it is for American Revolution round two. Yes, sir. It's it's really not there for much else. I mean, you all the other things, self defense on the street, self defense in your home, hunting, sports, you know, sports shooting, things of that nature. Those are fringe benefits of the second amendment in its originalist and contextualist form, which is taking your government back. So allowing the government to tell you what you can and cannot have, you know, within an amendment that tells you is a protection against that same government is just ridiculous. We have, we have the second amendment as a protection against the government. So allowing the government to regulate the second amendment is like, is like getting in a fight with a bully and the bully is like, well, you can't hit me here. You can't hit me here and you can't <laughs> hit me here. Well, you're like, well, um, I'm going to hit you wherever I want you, wherever I want to, because, well, that's, that's what I'm going to do. Right. So, um, you know, shall not be infringed. I, I, I believe that that's, uh, it's pretty cut and dry. There's not an asterisk next to it. There's not an addendum at the bottom that says, except in this case, except in this case, it well, shall not be infringed. And, you know, again, it's not the bill of, of needs. It's the bill of rights. I could not have said it better myself. So, all right, let me set this last question up here for you. The presentation that you made during this meeting was to the three commissioners of Randolph County. And for those that don't know, commissioners are the chief executives of the county. So in a city, you have the mayor. The mayor is the chief executive. And in the county, you have commissioners. And the commissioners are three elected officials who are appointed to be the chief executive body of the county. And since it's generally a bigger area than a city being the whole county that's why they have a three-member board rather than just one person so the commissioners can be all three one party or all three the other party or they can be two and one or any combination of republican democrat democrat republican libertarian democrat independent anything like this so the three commissioners that you've spoken to in randolph county are all three republicans it's important to note that that these three commissioners mike wickersham gary girton and tom chalfant are all Republican. It's also important to note that Mike Wickersham and Gary Girton are both up for re-election this year. So the question is, they tabled your presentation. They didn't vote yay or nay to 
move forward with or to kill either a resolution or ordinance. So what they've done is tabled it so they could get more information about it, talk about it, and when they come in during the meeting in March, they will then revisit it. Obviously, if they come in in March and they move forward and vote in favor of a resolution or ordinance, they will get all the praise that they should get because of that. The question is, what happens if we go in in March and they just come out and say, you know, we've looked into this and we're not going to vote for this or we're voting to kill it or we're just not going to take any action. What's your plan then? In the meantime, between now and March, um, we'll continue getting signatures on our petitions. Um, it, it grows by the day. So we will continue getting signatures. We're going to keep pushing out hard. We're going to put petitions in more in more locations and try to get those numbers up to uh, a much higher level to, to, to show them that this is something that, you know, is a big deal and it is something that people here care about. Now, if in the event they, uh, they say, yes, we're going to go ahead and do this, obviously that's great. Um, the fight isn't over then. Um, you know, there are, you know, we need to, you know, I stay pretty active at the state level and keeping in, you know, keeping in line with, um, uh, bills that are introduced. I contact my, my representatives, um, at the state level and at the federal level all the time. So, um, the fight's not over. Um, it may be, you know, it may die down a little bit in Randolph County. Um, but you know, it's never over. Uh, you should never get complacent. Uh, there's a saying that we had in the military, um, you know, complacency kills. Um, yep. <laughs> so, um, and that's true with a lot of things. So, um, we won't get complacent. Um, we'll keep, we'll keep pushing it. Um, in the event that they say, no, um, this is not something we want. And I agree with your assessment on, uh, on the three commissioners. Um, I think that, uh, Michael Wickersham was ready to kill it right there. Um, I think that Gary Curtin was probably right there in line with him. Um, and Tom Chalfant w- said that, you know, hey, there's something here. Um, and uh, I think that, you know, he would like to hear more and uh, and see how much support we do get for this between now and March. And I, and I fully I fully expect to get a lot more support. I don't know how much um, a month still is m- month is, is twice as long as we've had now. So, yeah, um, I would like to say that we'd go back in there with 2000 more signatures, but I do not know if that's going to happen. We'll see. Uh, my goal going in um, for today was a thousand signatures, and we beat that. The more five minutes before that meeting started, we <laughs> broke a thousand signatures on uh, between online and in person. So technically, we went in there uh, having accomplished uh, our goal. So if that does not happen, if they say no, um, uh, well, as much as I'd like to say, I would like to just kind of wash my hands of everything and say that we tried. Um, I, I, I just, I don't know, you know, if you know a lot of Marines, um, but, um, we are notoriously stubborn. So, um, I would say that I would do everything in my power, um, to get the word out that these men, um, do not have our, uh, do not have our backs in this. Um, and, uh, I know that at least one of them is going to be up for election this year. Um, and, uh, we will kind of get the word out and keep, we'll keep getting votes or, or keep getting signatures on petitions. It doesn't matter. And it'll stay up for a while. Yeah. Um, uh, we will probably, 
like I said, I still have access to a group on, on Facebook. That's, um, which actually to pick, you know, to kind of pick back up on that is the, the Facebook group unbeknownst to me was private. I didn't even pay attention to that. So all of this information that I was sharing into the group and, um, trying to get out into this group of almost 600 people was difficult to share outside of the group because the group's private. So we're trying to get the group made public. I'm not an administrator of the group and I can't do that. Had my posts been shareable outside of the group, I believe that our petition numbers online would be substantially higher. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so we have really been bottlenecked in, in our petitioning online due to that fact. Um, so, and that's something I didn't know until two days. I didn't know until two days ago. Yeah. Um, so, uh, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's really kind of hurt us. Um, but, um, I would say that the, the next thing would to do would be to, to tell everybody what exactly that, what exactly happened if they say no. And, uh, give them a synopsis of, of who said what, if we had one commissioner who says, Hey, I, I, I like this and we want to do it, then that's fine. Um, but the other two, um, whoever they may be, whichever ones they may be, or all three, um, you know, we will go from there and, and we may, uh, we may speak out against them um, well, as and far as, uh, and, and, and kind of take this to the voting booth. Now, listen, I can absolutely respect your need for being diplomatic at this point, but I can say, and I will say that if any of these three Republican commissioners speak out against this, just pass this off without doing anything about it or vote against it, however they do it, if basically they do anything other than vote a resolution or ordinance through, I will gladly campaign against these people, speak out against these people, and blast these people until someone new is in their seat. And for two of them, they are up for re-election this year. Both of these two commissioners, Wickersham and Girton, they have both filed for re-election. And as of the date of this recording and when it airs on Tuesday, February 4th, we will have just three and a half days left to file. I'm still in hopes that there will be at least one, if not two or three challengers for both Wickersham and Girton. My hope is that they both have a Republican challenger in the May primary, because they're both Republicans, and then I would like to see at least one, if not two Democrats, sign up to run. But time will tell. And, I mean, my hope is that these three commissioners will come in in March and vote through an ordinance or, at the very least, vote through a resolution. But I am prepared, and I do have the belief that at least one or two of them will speak out against this or won't do anything and that this will either be voted against completely or nothing will happen. And if or when that happens, and I can say it right here, and I am saying it, Commissioner Wickersham, if you speak out against this and if you don't vote for this, I will come after you politically, and I will not stop until someone new is in your seat. And the same goes for Gary Girton or Tom Chalfant, honestly.
And that's just the way that we have to look at it. All right, wrapping up here, Dakota, I do want to say thank you for coming on. But before we let you go, if anyone is interested, the Facebook groups that we have mentioned that have popped up, there is an Indiana 2A United. If you're interested, you can go and check that out. I just saw last night they have around 39,000 members, and this is a fairly new Facebook group. And then whatever county you live in more than likely has its own 2A group as well. I would highly recommend being a member to each group. Definitely be a member to the Indiana group, which again, you can find at Indiana 2A United on Facebook and all of the individual counties that have groups they're named something very similar for example Randolph County's is Randolph County Indiana 2A Delaware County is Delaware County 2A United Sanctuary so search those out on Facebook and give those pages a like. I do want to throw out here really quick that Jay County has something very similar. And on the 24th of this month, that's Monday, February 24th, also at 9 a.m., there is an individual who will be going in to his county commissioners in Jay County and basically doing this same thing there. So I'll be giving him my support and I'll be heading up there to Jay County on the 24th. Dakota, again, I want to say thank you for joining the listeners and I today to talk about this very important topic. Uh, I just want to ask you before we go, is there anything else that you'd like to say before we wrap? Um, not really. Um, if you're, I mean, uh- Besides the fact that if you're in Randolph County and you haven't signed a petition, get on that page. Um, we have petitions online. Uh, we have people that can you know come to you and get your signature on a petition. We'll have petitions in, uh, in a lot of the local businesses. Yeah, and we're gonna and we're gonna fight this until uh, it, it either goes through or um, we've exhausted all avenues of approach. But yeah, we're we're kind of here to stay. So yeah, it, it, we're just kind of getting started. We've got a we've got a long road ahead, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna stick with it. Very good. Thank you for joining me today and. You're welcome anytime. Please keep us posted and we'll obviously stay up to date with what's going on because this is something that is definitely important to me and definitely near and dear to a lot of the listeners. I also want to remind everybody that if you haven't filled out a petition and you live in Randolph County, definitely do that. You'll be able to find a copy of that petition on the Randolph County to a Facebook page, or you can find that page and the petition in the summary of this episode. Dakota, thank you very much for joining us. We'll talk to you later on down the road. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. It was my pleasure. All right, moving right along, we are getting ready to take a quick break, but on the other side of this quick break, we're going to be joined on the phone by yet another special guest, a big name in the gun rights movement here in the state of Indiana. You're listening to Episode 76 of Perception is Reality. I'm your host, Christopher H. Bilbrey. We'll be right back. Adopt U.S. Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting. A teenager learning the lingo. 
Today, I'm going to help parents translate teen slang. Now, when a teen says something is on fleek, it's exactly like saying, that's rad. It simply means that something is awesome or cool. Another one is totes. It's exactly like saying, totally, just shorter. As in, I totes love going to the mall with Becca. Another word you might hear is jelly. Jelly is a shorter, better way to say jealous. As in, Chloe, I am like so jelly of your unicorn phone case. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will think you're, um, rad just the same. To learn more, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. And now, Perception is Reality, with your host, Christopher H. Bilbrey. Welcome back to the show, everyone. I am your host, Christopher H. Bilbrey, and currently joining us on the phone is Guy Relford, Indianapolis-based constitutional rights attorney and host of the Gun Guy Show on 93.1 WIBC. That airs on Saturdays from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Be sure and check that out. Guy, thank you for joining us. Sure. Pleasure to be here. Well, very good. Thank you for taking the time. I reached out to you a while back, actually, to get your opinion on all of these 2A Sanctuary Facebook pages that were popping up from different counties, and now there's one for the whole state of Indiana. I was interested in your opinion on if this was a good way to spend time or if there might be a better way to approach people trying to speak out and protect the Second Amendment. And since then, I've heard your stance on these groups on your radio program and while you've spoke on other radio programs. And I'm just interested in what your take on these groups are and to see if you think maybe time might be better well spent on something else. Well, I don't uh, diminish the value of the uh, Second Amendment sanctuary uh, movement and the the potential outcome of the efforts that people are putting into that process. Because um, I've actually talked about on my show, while a county or a city or whoever it might be has no ability to affect what state law is or what federal law is, that's not really what the sanctuary movement is about. I think fundamentally it's about getting a commitment uh, of assurance that local officials are going to put the Constitution first in all of their decision making. And they all swear an oath when they take office, whether that's a sheriff or a county commissioner, that they'll support the Constitution of the United States and, 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 and of Indiana. And obviously, both of those constitutions have a protection for the right to keep and bear arms. So I think to go to them and to say, we want to. Uh, a declaration, uh, whether it's an ordinance or a resolution, um, whatever it might be, that simply provides us assurance that you will put constitutional principles first, then that has value. And it has value not because it changes the law. It has value because, for instance, prosecutors at the county level have always had, for generations, uh, have had what we call prosecutorial discretion. Sure. and. A prosecutor can look at a given situation and say, you know, based on these facts, um, irrespective of, for instance, whether there might be a technical violation of the law, I choose not 
to prosecute under these circumstances, whatever those circumstances might be. And we've even seen broad pronouncements like in Marion County where Ryan Mears, a uh, prosecutor there, has said yeah. he's not going to prosecute uh, marijuana possession below an ounce. Well, the a prosecutor could say that, for instance, if Senate Bill 203, this moronic uh, bill that Senator Greg Taylor introduced, it, it had a high-capacity magazine ban in it, and a local prosecutor could say, for instance, after a, a resolution or an ordinance passed by the county commissioners in that county declaring allegiance and, 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 and support for constitutional principles, could say, you know what, I think that law violates the Constitution to the extent it, it, it includes the, a ban on something commonly used for lawful purposes, which is the Supreme Court test. Therefore, I, I'm not going to prosecute people in my county for that crime. That's not a direct result. And, and no ordinance is going to direct a prosecutor to never prosecute a particular crime. That's not the point. Sure. The point is that we're, that we're all going to, at the county level, that the officials in that county are going to look at their jobs, whether it's law enforcement or prosecution or whatever it might be, they're going to look at, at performing their jobs through the lens of the Constitution and the protection of constitutional principles. So I don't minimize or, 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 or criticize the, the value of what folks are doing in the sanctuary movement. What, what I do think as a matter of priorities, though, is that, and, I, and this is, I'm sure, what you're referring to, is I've said over and over, and I, I wrote an article that's um, on the WIBC website saying that Virginia reminds us that elections have consequences. Yes. And I think, I think that's the point, which is, which would you rather have? Would you rather have a bunch of laws that we believe are unconstitutional? Obviously, the people that pass them believe they're constitutional, and the courts have to ferret that out. We don't, unfortunately, just get to declare them unconstitutional as, as private citizens. A court has to do that. And until a court does that, they're on the books. And, and while they're on the books, they can be enforced. And while we may think they're unconstitutional, they can land our butts in jail if the courts disagree with us ultimately. So which would we rather have? Would we rather have laws on the books that we have to declare a sanctuary from like people are doing in Virginia because they lost elections that put people in office that resulted in the passage, the likely passage of laws that people are saying are infringing their rights. Therefore they need sanctuary. Or would you rather win elections and continue to win elections and defeat bills that we think infringe our rights in the state house or wherever they might be filed and pursued? Would you rather win those elections? So there are no laws from which we need sanctuary. And, and, and that, that, to me, is not a, a, a difficult question. We want to win elections. We want to defeat anti-Second Amendment legislation so we don't need a sanctuary from laws we don't like. Let's let laws we don't like never get passed. I could not agree with that more. And that really kind of speaks to the whole point of my podcast as a whole, trying to focus on getting folks active and involved and working in the political system to affect the change that they want to see. And now I've been involved in politics for quite some time. I, I still consider myself a fairly young person. I'm only 38, but been involved yeah, I think with... The sock, I think the, the socks I'm wearing are older than that, I think, today. So, <laughs> I, I understand. So, all right. Well, I've been involved in politics for quite some time, and I understand how it is on the local and the state level. My question would be, what do we need to do in order to have candidates that we support and that we agree with? 
You know, we are just, at the time of this recording, four days away from the filing deadline for folks if they want to file to run on the state or the local level now. And in the communities that I'm involved with, you know, we really just don't have many people filing to run. Either it's a community that's primarily Democrat and no Republicans file, or you're in another community that's primarily Republican and no Democrats file. What I would like to see is a community where we've got two and three Democrats filing and two and three Republicans filing, a couple Libertarians are thrown in, and we have a good mix of candidates so we can pick the candidate that best represents our desires, our wishes, our needs, and and what we see and how we want our community to be. You know, my whole point is trying to get people active and engaged and getting involved with their officials, getting involved with the election process, understanding how to talk to candidates, understanding how to ferret out what candidate they want to support and supporting that candidate, and then keeping track of what that person does if they should win. That's kind of the easy part. How do we go about finding folks that will run or folks that we want to kind of groom to run so that we can have people that are running as candidates on the local level, on the state level, and on the national level that kind of represent what it is that we value. You know, all day long, folks can listen to my program or can turn on and listen to WIBC, can get involved with the NRA or get involved with, for example, your new group, the 2A Project, and they can be active and involved in communities and on platforms that have their values. But how do we get folks geared up to run and get candidates on the ballot that we can support? I think it's a great question. I think there is definitely a a recruitment uh, component to what we're talking about. For instance, I mean, since um, the the last election in 2016, I've had a couple different people walk up to me and say, would you be interested in running for this office or for that office? And, they, and they're approaching me for that reason specifically because they know my stance on Second Amendment issues, and that's an important issue to them. And they also understand that I'm generally a conservative with yeah. libertarian leanings, and that's consistent with you know whoever this might be that would, would like to see me as a candidate for an office. And, 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 and so I think, which I have absolutely no interest whatsoever in doing, by <laughs> the way, but um, but so I think as, but, but, but being an activist and being a private citizen who, who's, who's active in these issues, I think there is an identification and recruitment component that is, you know, to, to have the mindset of, Hey, wow. You know, when I see a person who would make a, a good political candidate to log that, to log that away and, 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 and to say, Hey, wait a minute, would that person, um, you know, be be interested. Would that person want to sit down and talk about their broader views? Is this a person we'd want um, to recruit into that process? And there's a fundraising component to say, if you approach a candidate, a potential candidate, and say, you know, I think you would make a great candidate for blank. I don't care what it is, whether it's coroner or county commissioner uh, or sheriff uh, or state legislator, whatever it might be, you know, would you be willing to sit down and talk about that? And then 
you know, have grassroots organizations that, 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 that to the extent that they're structured correctly and that they have the regu- regulatory approvals and tax approvals and whatnot can participate in this process to say, by the way, you know, we, we would want to in, be, get involved with your campaign. We would want to make a contribution, you know, within those, those, those guidelines. We'd want to recruit other people to make contributions uh, into your campaign so that, you know, because everybody's going to sit around and look and, and say, well, okay, I mean, I think I would make a great congressman to replace Susan Brooks. Where's the infrastructure? Where's the funding? Yeah. Where's the whatever? And anybody for any candidate is going to have that consideration. So I think as we're involved at whatever level, whether we're an individual or somebody joins a group like the 2A Project, which you mentioned, which is my new Second Amendment advocacy group, um, that in part, one, they just want to be part of the fight. They want, they want to be part of an organization that they trust. Um, and we've, we've lost some trust and respect for other gun rights organizations, unfortunately, in the last few years. So people want to be part of the fight, but they also want to contribute knowing that that, that financial contribution can potentially go not only to finding, funding, and getting elected, you know, those politicians who reflect our views, whatever they might be, um, but also to defeating candidates that we know are contrary uh, to our views that then would vote contrary to our views um, and uh, to either keep people in office that are already fighting for us the way we want them to in office or to get people out of office that uh, are already there and aren't doing the job for whatever reason. And, and, and that's, I think that, that identification, recruitment, uh, assistance with campaigns, um, election, and then, and, and, and then helping incumbents or fighting incumbents is all part of that same process. And, and I, 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 you know, we can, we can, we can only do so much. Sure. Um, but, I, but I'll tell you one thing is just whining on the internet doesn't get it done. Yes. And you see that. And I see that. And, and unfortunately gun owners are, are ridiculously, uh, uh, are subject to this habit and, and prone to this uh, practice because right now I see an awful lot of people who want to log into a Facebook page and, and just type, you know, all gun laws are unconstitutional 87 <laughs> times. Um, and, and they think that's a contribution. Well, it's not a contribution. It's not helpful. It, yeah. it, it, and, and, and even to the extent it saves the message of, well, we don't really have to worry about what laws are passed because the Second Amendment means they're all unconstitutional anyway. Well, that's wonderful. And in 1934, you might have had an argument, but that's not where we are today. Right. And I've, I've fought our red flag law. Personally, I've taken a red flag case to our Court of Appeals and, and, and tried to take it to the Supreme Court to have it declared unconstitutional. You know what? In a two-to-one decision, the Court of Appeals disagreed with me. So we have a red flag law. We do. Now, we can fight to improve it, which I did last year, and we dramatically improved it. We can, we, we, we can talk to public officials about how it ought to be enforced and administered. We can talk about continuing to enhance due process. And, and that's all constructive and positive, and it can help us in terms of the protection of our Second Amendment rights. But people that think it does any good, to, rather than being part of the process, to vote for crying out loud. I had somebody on one of the two-way pages the other day say, well, I don't bother to vote because Republicans and Democrats are all the same, and they're all going to come strip us of our rights eventually, and, 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 and it doesn't really matter what they pass because it's all unconstitutional. And I thought, my God, this is what happened in Virginia. Yeah, That's absolutely. what happened in Virginia. Yeah. They got lazy, and they got complacent, and they lost elections, and now they need sanctuaries because they lost elections, and yeah. they can't defeat bills in the state house, so they need sanctuaries. That's got 
that that's only not only does that have the cart before the horse um you know that that's burning the cart and yeah. throw it and shooting the horse um because that is exactly a defeatist attitude that will make you lose rights and you know what you can declare a law unconstitutional all you want eventually you get caught breaking that so-called unconstitutional law you can tell your cellmate you know, while you're arguing over who ought to have the top bunk, you can also tell them exactly how unconstitutional that law was. Because um, until the court agrees with you, your butt goes to prison, whether you think that law is unconstitutional or not. That's why we have to defeat them in the state house, And it starts with elections. And it starts with candidates. And it starts with fighting those people who are in, in, in elected office that aren't protecting our rights the way they need to now. That's where it all comes from. That's to me, is what activism means. It's not logging into Facebook and whining. You hit the nail on the head, and I could not agree with you any more on that point if I tried. So moving on, if folks are interested in getting more involved with the fight to protect our Second Amendment rights, and they want to get more information on your new group, the 2A Project, where can they go to find out more information, to get involved, to become a member? How can people get more information? It's the2aproject.com, and it's number two uh, rather than spelled out. So the2aproject.com. Uh, website is up. Memberships are available. Uh, we're working on our uh, approvals for uh, tax-exempt status and, and to be a, a 501c4 because we're going to be involved in the legislative process and the political process. Those yeah. approvals are not uh, complete yet, so I can't represent to anybody that your membership is going to be tax-deductible, uh, but we're working on that. Um, but it's $35 for a year. It's $65 for two years. Um, and if you want to be part of the fight and you want to be able to contribute to the exact process that you and I just talked about, yeah. um, that's where we'd love for you to go. So it's the 2aproject.com. And then the Facebook page is just the same. It's facebook.com slash the 2a project. So, Very good. Um, and, and we just, we just got the Facebook up. It doesn't, it's only, it's got less than I think 2000 likes. So we want to, we want to improve that by a couple orders of magnitude sooner than later, because, uh, we want to be in there fighting, uh, and, uh, and, and we're a, we're a no compromise organization in the sense that anything that's being proposed or discussed by legislators or other elected officials, if it doesn't protect and or advance our rights, then we're not interested. Yeah. Um, and if it, and it's, and if it's a relinquishment of our rights, then, uh, that's something we're going to fight. So that's what it's all about. Very good. In wrapping up, last year you had success with House Bill 1284, and I'll let you explain what that is to the listeners in a second. But you're also currently working on new legislation, and I'm interested for you to tell the listeners what that is and how that's going in case folks are interested in following along with what you're doing outside of the 2A project. Yeah, and, and we're hitting some roadblocks, but I'm working on what's called an anti-swatting bill. Um, and just like 1284, which if folks don't know, that's the civil immunity bill that we had passed into law last year that if you use lawful and justified force and self-defense, then there's civil immunity. And because and we've seen time and time and time again where someone protects themselves, they defend their home or they defend their family with force, including deadly force, well, then the family, the bad guy, sues them. Say, oh, well, that was excessive. Or, oh, well, uh, even though my family member you know, kicked in your door in the middle of the night with a knife in his teeth, you, you, know, you didn't really need to shoot him. Um, and those lawsuits get expensive. And so we were able to provide a complete civil immunity and a disincentive to filing those lawsuits um, by uh, an a ter a attorney's fees award provision that if you file one of those frivolous cases, you have to pay back 
the defendant their attorney's mm-hmm. fees. So that's what we accomplished last year. This year, the swatting statute or anti-swatting statute, you know, if right now, if, if I'm just mad at you and, uh, and I want to ex- exact some revenge, uh, I can pick up the phone, I can call police, I can lie and say you're currently barricaded in your home, uh, you've got um, uh, your, your wife uh, at, at gunpoint, um, and you've, you're burning the house down as we speak, the SWAT team needs to be there immediately, uh, and that can all just be a complete lie, and if police show up in the massive confusion, shoot you, or shoot your wife or someone else, or someone gets hurt uh, or killed, Right now in Indiana, that's a class A misdemeanor, and that's ridiculous. Uh, in addition, it's not clear that the so-called self in, the so-called uh, false informing law or false reporting law yeah. that would be subject to that. It's not clear whether that includes a false report that someone's dangerous, quote unquote, under the red flag statute, because it really refers more to to starting a criminal prosecution, and the red flag statute isn't criminal; it's civil. Um, so you're not getting someone prosecuted through a false report. So, um, the, the other thing that our bill does is it makes it clear that if I call and, and say someone's dangerous trying to have their gun seized under the red flag law, that that's also subject to the false informing statute and would be a felony, uh, as would a false report that gets someone hurt, but it would be a felony if it resulted in the seizure of a firearm. So if wow. you're gonna deprive someone else of their constitutional rights by knowingly and intentionally lying in a false report to police, we think that ought to be a felony. And it certainly ought to be a felony if you if you make a false report and that gets somebody hurt. So that's that's the anti swatting bill. Um it did not get a hearing in the House, but we're now looking to try to have uh, some or all of that language amended into a Senate bill that did survive. So it's not quite dead yet, but it's on life support. <laughs> But we think that's important. We think we think yeah. we need that. And if we, if we don't get it this year, we're going to come back and fight next year. Absolutely. It's very important work that you're doing there. I have been following the anti-swatting legislation, and I'll continue following that. I, of course, followed House Bill 1284 and think what you're doing is absolutely amazing, and it's very important work. I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy day to come on and talk with all of us. And thank you for what you do in the fight to protect the Second Amendment rights. That's very important. People just really do not understand how important it is for folks to get active and to get involved and to stand up to protect these rights. Because if it's not for folks like you... I, I, it would be very scary to see where where we would be. I want to say congratulations on getting the 2A project up and running. I can't wait to become a member of the group and see all of the good work that the group will accomplish. Thank you for standing up for the rights of Hoosiers and for the rights of all Americans for the work that you do for the Second Amendment. Guy Relford, everyone, he's your gun guy. You can find him weekly on Saturdays from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. on 93.1 WIBC, the Gun Guy Show. Or if you're in legal trouble or need help or assistance specifically with your gun rights, well, he's your guy there, too. Look him up online. You can find him on Facebook and definitely look out 
for the 2A project. You can find that again at the 2aproject.com and on Facebook. Again, Guy, thanks for taking some time to talk with us, and it was wonderful having you on. Sounds great, man. It's a pleasure to be with you, and I appreciate the opportunity. All right, folks. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Perception is Reality. A little long, I know, but we had a lot of great content. I want to thank again my special guests, Dakota Adams and Guy Relford. I hope hearing from both of these men help you understand the importance of getting informed, getting active, and standing up for what you believe in. Remember to help share the show. We can be found on all major podcast hosting sites as well as the home link at perception.fireside.fm. Until next time, stay safe and God bless. You've been listening to Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. Bilbrey. Tune in, like, and subscribe at perception.fireside.fm. Hook up on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Bilbrey318 and on Twitter at PISRBilbrey. Email khbilbrey at gmail.com or get off your butt and call the show at 765-546-9796. Till next time, remember... Perception Perception is is reality. Reality. This has been Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey, where we aim for better government through citizen involvement.